Hello, I'm Chase Blasick, an Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview. Subscribe today at stratfor.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. As 2022 enters its second quarter, a lot of nations have begun a new phase of managing COVID-19. But approaches vary from the coordinated mask mandates and lockdown measures earlier in the pandemic. Those, of course, contributed to the disruptions that caused supply chain and massive economic impacts, especially for countries in the Asia-Pacific. One of those, Indonesia, is still struggling. Scott Cardis is an Asia-Pacific analyst with RAIN. He joins me now. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Emily. Can you tell me a little bit about how Indonesia's economy is doing these days? Well, Indonesia's economy is it's getting better. Uh, back in 2020, they had, you know, like everywhere else in the world, as you said, experienced pretty bad economic contractions. But they grew about 3.7% GDP in 2021, and they're experiencing a lot of economic growth this year. But a lot of that's on paper. Indonesia is attempting to redevelop its economy, uh, pushing a lot of export-oriented growth. However, the country is really struggling to realize a lot of these gains because of the current fuel crisis, the current cooking oil crisis that's hitting the world uh, after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So Indonesia on paper may be doing very well. You know, a lot of people say, well, 5% GDP growth, that's pretty good. But it, a lot of this could be eaten up by really, really high inflation coming out of the country as the country is struggling to maintain lower consumer prices. Now, some of the things that Indonesia is doing to develop its economy, though, is the current president, Joko Widodo, or as people colloquially call him, Jokowi, he's been instituting a raw material ban on a lot of Indonesian you know, raw, raw materials such as nickel, bauxite, copper, and tin. And the nickel ban actually went into effect back in 2020, and we haven't really been seeing as much of an effect up until now, but nickel's really useful and very, it's a necessary component in a lot of things like batteries, uh, high-end electric vehicles, and even some other just generic chips and other industrial applications. It's used even in some making wind turbines um, and even in some space craft, space shuttles, or satellite uh, construction. So we see that, and it sounds strange. Why would you ban the export of a good that's so useful and everyone wants to buy it? Well, that's where uh, I think Jokowi has a really bright idea. Rather than just exporting a raw material, he's, he's banning the export of raw material. He's forcing the first few refinement steps to take place within Indonesia. What this means is, now everyone has to come invest in the country to create new industries and to then allow Indonesia to move up the value chain in its exports. Instead of just exporting raw ore, now they're exporting semi-finished or even finished products. Just a few days ago, the uh, Indonesian government announced that they secured $15 billion in investment from South Korea and China. $9 billion from South Korea and about $6 billion from China and the Chinese and Korean firms to work and create electric vehicles for export from Indonesia, not just some basic uh, basic ores or some slightly refined ores. 
That's fascinating, Scott. What can we expect? I mean, is this going to continue? Or are we looking at something that could backfire? Um, you know, that's a really good question. I, I would say that this is probably going to continue. The, the recent uh, investment with Nickel, uh, because the upcoming bans on bauxite, well, bauxite actually went into effect this year in 2022. Copper is expected to be banned in 2023. And tin is expected to be banned in 2024. The fact that Indonesia was able to secure such high investment for not just, oh, we're going to make one refinement step. Now they're going to do almost a vertical integration of doing ore extraction, refinement, and then final product creation. You know, this is showing that, you know, this policy, that this idea might have a lot more support now, and it might prove to be far more popular. So I think we're going to see these going forward. Obviously, some countries have complained about this. I know the EU filed a lawsuit against Indonesia with the World Trade Organization, I believe. But Why is that? Indo- because it's trying to become a manufacturing base rather than a uh, raw exporter? Uh my understanding is the EU is just angry that Indonesia won't export the raw goods. <laughs> I'm very much simplifying this. And I know Indonesian Jokowi, the president, has just said, well, I don't care, sue me. You know, this attitude doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. And Jokowi isn't out of office until at, at earliest 2024. Well, in theory, he could be out earlier, but his the next election's in two years in 2024. So we're probably going to see this attitude continue. And how's that playing among the population in Indonesia? Um, a lot of Indonesians seem to like uh, Jokowi. He has a lot of popularity. He is, he, you know, he was a kind of a man of the people, for lack of a better term. Came up, he was like a furniture salesman before he got into politics. And yeah, th- these sort of things do seem to be semi-popular. It's it's a way for Indonesia to no longer be seen as like a poor country, even though it's like the fourth largest country in the world in terms of population. It's it has a pretty rapidly growing economy, even pre-COVID, and the country has a lot of potential for growth and development. And I think a lot of Indonesians see this and are pretty pleased with some of these results. Of course, there are people who are upset at this detractors. By no means is this 100% support. So, Well, let's talk a little bit about, you, you know, you mentioned the European Union not being happy or some countries in the European Union not being happy about what's going on. Uh, how would these policies affect a larger region? I think, you know, I kind of hinted at this earlier with, you know, South Korea and China, two of the largest economies in the region, definitely China being one of the largest economies in the world, um, both of them, you know, very rich nations investing directly into this. We could see a lot more regional development, I believe. Uh, Indonesia recently also announced that they're going to move their capital from Jakarta on Java to uh, across the straits to Borneo uh, on the island of Borneo to a new city they're building called New Santara. And a lot more to, uh, investment is needed to do this. If you're already going to invest in Indonesia as a means to get involved in this development, the ore development, and to secure new exports, you know, it's it's not outside of the realm possibility that you're going to see more investment in general for construction or building infrastructure or other partnerships going forward. I think regionally we might see other nations, maybe like Malaysia, might try to see what they can do. Maybe Malaysia says, huh, what if we did similar thing with uh, any exports that we have? Uh, what if the Philippines uh, looks at and says maybe we could try something similar as well? 
So I think maybe this could see as an inspiration. I don't think that every nation in Southeast Asia could possibly do this. I think Indonesia is unique in, in some of their natural resource deposits. So that's why they're capable of this. But I think going forward, we're going to see a lot more investment from Asia into Southeast Asia, not necessarily just Western or uh, European or American investment, which is typically seen as where you want to go. Scott Cardis is an Asia-Pacific analyst with RAIN. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. You can hear Scott regularly on this podcast. His work can also be found in RAIN Worldview, which offers objective geopolitical analysis and intelligence covering the global landscape. Subscribe today and get a great price. Go to stratfor.com for details. That's stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue, and as always, thanks for listening. 